Hey, it's Clay. Welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. First off, I got to give credit where credit's due. This episode, I suppose, is sponsored by my brother-in-law who happened to text me this article and just kind of made a, a couple little comments on it. And this is the brother-in-law where if you're a, a long-time listener, he's the one that works for Google in the sales department and he lives out in uh, Silicon Valley. But uh, he's been on the podcast before and kind of talked about the journey of how he landed a job at Google, which is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. But anyways, that's just a little bit of context of who actually sent me this article. And it is, it's scary, it's sad, and it gets, it gets my blood going a little bit, but I'm gonna try to keep my composure and I'm gonna try to just look at things as objectively as possible. And that way we can try to just you know, find bright spots where maybe bright spots exist, but then also just call out kind of the dark spots and big red flags of, you know, that's not exactly the way you should be going about things. And if you are a first time listener, maybe you just have listened to a couple episodes, the idea here is just let's put ourselves in the best possible position to just build wealth. Not wealth in the sense of I have 18 vacation houses and 45 Lamborghinis, not that type of wealth, but wealth in the sense of, you know what, peace of mind, being able to get a good night's sleep because you're not sitting there stressed out about money or finances or anything like that. To me, that's what wealth is all about. Not fancy materialistic items, but just peace of mind, a good night's rest. I can't think of any better wealth than sleeping easy at night because you're not staring up at the ceiling with beads of sweat dripping down your face because you're thinking of, okay, I gotta make this payment, but how am I gonna make that payment? Oh, great, and that bill just showed up. If you could just eliminate all that stuff and go to sleep every night without stress or without worry, I mean, I don't know how you actually put a price tag on that. But what we have going on in this article is essentially the exact opposite way of you how you would ever accomplish any of that. So this article comes from the Wall Street Journal titled The Seven, the seven Year Auto Loan. America's Middle Class Can't Afford Their Cars and we have the typical vehicle, and I'm, I'm not gonna turn this into a massive, uh, you know, how you should approach all this and all that, but just understand the overarching concept here is there are basically two types of assets in the world of finance and in the world of wealth building. You have appreciating assets. Appreciating means those, you know, objects go up in value over time you know, historically, not a guarantee, but yeah, historically, those sorts of things appreciate in value, such as a piece of real estate. Over time, if you were to look at what a piece of real estate was back in 1900, and then you look at what that same exact piece of real estate is worth right now, it is worth a whole lot more because it has appreciated. And then you also have depreciating assets, that meaning things go down over time. And one of the probably the most well-known, if not the most well-known depreciating assets out there is your vehicle, right? You buy a car, you buy anything, and over time, it depreciates. I mean, it starts to fall apart, it gets old. Now, in a, in a weird way, if you hold on to it for long enough, then yeah, all of a sudden it becomes like a classic car. But in 99% of the situations, that asset is going to depreciate. It is going to go down in value. And I don't wanna insult your intelligence, but getting debt, attaching debt to something that actually goes down in value, not really a 
good way to go about building wealth, right? Now, if, if you have to take on a loan, for example, for a mortgage for a piece of real estate that goes up in value, then okay. I mean, assuming you can actually afford that mortgage, afford that debt, then all right, that, that's great because traditionally speaking, historically speaking, that piece of real estate is gonna go up in value. But to attach a debt to something that goes down, that is just literally counterproductive and goes against everything in terms of if your goal is to try to take control of your finances and start to build wealth and establish wealth for yourself. So that is the overall context here. Remember, car loans, vehicle loans are depreciating assets. So let's get to this article here. Again, from the Wall Street Journal, walk into an auto dealership these days and you might walk out with a seven-year car loan. That means monthly payments that last well past when the brake pads give out and potentially beyond when the car gets traded in for a new one. About a third of auto loans for new vehicles taken out in the first half of 2019 had terms of longer than six years, according to credit reporting firm Experian PLC. A decade ago, that number was less than 10%. That is a scary number right there. 33%, so a third is 33%. And just 10 years ago, it was less than 10%. That's actually quite explosive growth. Now, to, if you're not quite sure, what is a seven, what, why does that matter? Well, the way the numbers work, and I'm not gonna turn this into a math lesson, but those monthly payments, you know, what do you pay per month for a car? Well, you can drive down that payment lower and lower and lower if you just make the, the loan longer and longer and longer. So it's for you, it's, oh, I, 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 can, I, I can quote unquote afford the car payment because it's only at that price. But the kicker and what a lot of people are not realizing and what's totally going to hinder any sort of wealth building is that, well, yeah, that's true that monthly payment has gone down and down, but that just means you're gonna be paying more and more interest on it because it's a longer loan. And the more interest you pay on something, is the more money that goes into somebody else's pocket, which is why this is all so backwards. Think about that. Interest is going into somebody else's pocket. You are putting money in somebody else's pocket. And why are you putting money into somebody else's pocket? Well, because you have something that is actually going down in value. Once again, compare this, contrast this with a home. Sure, you are putting money in somebody else's pocket because you're paying interest on that home loan and you're paying that money to the bank but at least you're putting your money into somebody else's pocket for something that is rising in value. I mean, that's still not an ideal situation. Nobody wants to be putting their money into somebody else's pocket in the form of interest, but at least there is the but that, well, it's an appreciating asset. That piece of real estate is gonna be going up. Whereas in this situation, you're literally putting that much more interest, putting that much more money into somebody else's pocket for something that is going down and down in value, and to, to know that that situation has risen from you know less than ten percent to now over thirty three percent, that's that, that's pretty crazy. So picking back up here, car loans that are increasingly stretched out are pronounced sign that some American middle class buyers can't afford a middle class lifestyle. And I I, get, I suppose I struggle with this because I, I don't know how middle class lifestyle is being defined. But this next paragraph here is, is it's seemingly kind of their attempt to classify what a middle-class lifestyle is. But I'm gonna have to go ahead and say, you know what, this is not a middle-class lifestyle. Now, I, 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 I realize, oh wow, that stuff's cool, I, I want that. Therefore, I wanna go and get it, 
but that doesn't mean that it's you you need it and that's kind of keep that in mind do you actually need these things so incomes have risen at a sluggish pace in the past decade but car prices have grown rapidly all right so again this is i, I don't like that pr premise well people aren't making enough money but car prices have gone up that much more what is that what does it have to do with anything are, are those people with these quote unquote sluggish paces in their income are they being forced to buy these 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 prices to these cars no new technological and safety features such as larger and more sophisticated here we go multimedia displays have made even the most basic cars more expensive now i again i i appreciate the author here but this seems like justification for why these quote unquote middle class people aren't able to get ahead because well you know there's all these multimedia displays and yeah those things are awesome they're really cool but i'm pretty sure you don't need a multimedia display to get from point a to point b i'm pretty sure you could buy a car that does not have a and i quote sophisticated multimedia display in order to get to your job or to drop your kids off at soccer practice, or to do any of the above. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not required. That's not needed. Now, is it nice? Absolutely, but just because something's nice and fancy and sophisticated doesn't mean you need it. Doesn't mean that that's what you have to have to be in the middle class. No, if it's not like, let me put it this way. If you look at someone and be like, hey, do you have a sophisticated multimedia display in your vehicle? And they're like, no. Well, you're not middle class. I mean, who would say that? Since when is all that considered what needs to be done in order to afford a middle-class lifestyle? As, no, a middle-class lifestyle is not you having some fancy, sophisticated multimedia display. So just because those are in there, yeah, I'm not refuting the fact that, well, of, of course that's going to raise up the prices, but just because that raised up the prices doesn't mean that anybody needs to actually go and get that multimedia display. There are plenty of cars in the used car market from five, 10 years ago that, that don't have those. And guess what? They'll get you from point A to point B and they're a whole lot cheaper. And yeah, they'll still drop in value because it is a depreciating asset, but not nearly as much as you know these cars that are being talked about here. So let's, uh, okay. So US consumers have also veered towards pricier rides such as sport utility vehicles that tend to dominate auto showrooms. The result is that consumers are seeking bigger loans than ever to purchase a car. Which again, let's just assume and let's, I'll, I'll say, because I mean, there's always ways you can argue about the incomes and the rate they're rising, but let's just assume that this is totally correct, that incomes have risen at a sluggish pace. So if you notice and you're saying, you know, my income, I, 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 I wish it was higher, I, you know, that, that I, I wish it was growing more, I wish I was getting a, a raise at work, but if, if that is true, that because incomes have, have you know, risen at a sluggish pace, then what are you doing as a consumer that's going out there and seeking bigger loans? If your income is not where you want it to be, it seems to me as the, the focus of your situation should be, you know what, how do I get my income to where I want it to be? Not, how do I get a bigger loan? That's a little backwards, isn't it? That's a little anti-productive in the sense of, hey, I'm looking to build wealth. Hey, I'm looking to get control. That's the exact opposite of getting control. That's putting yourself more out of control. If you are not happy with your income, that's okay. That, I'm not saying you can't be unhappy with your income, 
but focus on your income. Don't focus on, well, how do I get a bigger loan? Totally the exact opposite of what you would wanna be doing. So picking back up, a lending machine has revved up in the response, making it possible for more Americans to procure a vehicle by spreading the debt over longer periods. Again, that is just how you lower that payment. You just make it longer. But the, the catch is you're paying that much more interest into somebody else's pocket. Wall Street investors snap up these loans, which are bundled into bonds. Deal, and here's, this is crazy part. Dealers now make more money on the loans their customers take than on the cars they sell. That's crazy that literally car dealerships don't make as much money selling the car. They actually make money loading people down in debt. And I don't blame, I'm, hey, I don't blame the car dealerships at all. If people are uh, just not wise enough to actually run through the numbers and do some critical thinking. And when I say critical thinking, this is not launching rockets into science or in, into science. This is not rocket science. This is not rock, uh, launching rockets into space. It's just some basic, you know, do I really wanna have a loan for seven years on this car? Seven years on a vehicle, and oh yeah, remember this vehicle goes down in price, and oh yeah, well into the seven year lifespan, I'm gonna need to start to fix this car, I'm gonna need to start to replace brake pads, I'm gonna need to do uh, you know, various other things, so I'm now taking on and I'm making interest payments on something that I'm having to dump more money into because the thing is starting to need maintenance and all that. Think things through. Like I said, a little bit of critical thinking. For many Americans, the, avail uh, the availability of loans with longer terms has created an illusion of affordability. That's a great phrase, so credit to the author there. The illusion of affordability. It has helped fuel car purchases that would have been out of reach with three, five, or even six-year loans. People can't or people can get into very expensive cars, said Bronson Argyle, a professor at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, who research, whose research focuses on consumer credit. Households are taking on average more risk. All right, well, once again, if the goal here is to be building wealth, taking on more risk is not what you wanna do. And this is not a risk where there's any sort of reward associated with it. I mean, life is filled with risk, right? I mean. You kind of got to take a risk. I'm, I'm going to get a mortgage because you know the risk is maybe maybe this you know piece of real estate actually drops in value. But there's also the potential reward that at least that piece of real estate will rise in value. Where here there is no upside. It is it is not like well you know what maybe this car is going to actually start to go up in value. No, that's not going to happen. Now, again, sure if you wait like 50, 60 years, maybe it'll become like a classic car. Uh, but if that's your business plan to grow wealth. I trust me, there, there are better ways to do it than that. But when households are taking on more risk, and remember, this is all under the assumption of, well, you know, those incomes are sluggish rising. Those incomes just aren't going up fast enough. And once again, I'm, I'm not here to refute that, but if that is the case, and yet households are taking on more risk, and this risk is not a necessity, that sophisticated screen is not a necessity, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm finding it hard to find any sort of pity, any sort of, oh, that, that poor family. Uh, no, what, what are you doing? Why would you be taking on more risk if your income is sluggish? I, it, to me, there's just a disconnect. Think things through, please. And that is the idea of this podcast. If I can inspire just one person to actually think things through, 
just to let them be like, wait a second, that's probably not a good decision, then perfect. This is so worth it on my end to just get some, uh, even just one, one light bulb to go on. Because I realize I sit here and I complain and all this sort of stuff, but I'm, I'm trying to get people to wake up because this is the stuff that is going to hold you back, that is going to hold your family back, that is going to keep you from getting your goals. And, I, and I, let, let, let's accomplish our goals. That's the idea here. So picking back up with article, Devin, Jane, or Devin Jones walked into the Rolling Hills Honda dealership in St. Joseph, Missouri about three years ago after a salesman emailed him and said he might be able to buy a new car for less than $400 a month. Mr. Jones, now 22 years old, walked out with the gray Accord sedan with heated leather seats. Once again, I, he's leather seats. Oh, so good, so awesome. But I'm pretty sure heated leather seats are not a necessity. I, I, I think you can make it to work or make it to wherever you gotta go without heated leather seats. He also took home a 72-month car loan that cost him and his then-girlfriend more than $500 a month. $500 a month for a car payment, $500 a month for something that's dropping in value. When they split last year and the monthly payment fell solely to him, it suddenly took up more than a quarter of his take-home pay. That's, uh, if 25% of your payment or of your take-home pay is going towards a car payment, which happens to be going down in value, that's, that's not good at all. He paid 27,000 for the car, less than the sticker price, but it took out a $36,000 loan with an interest rate of 1.9% to cover the purchase price and unpaid debt on two vehicles he bought as a teenager. It was particularly burdensome when combined with his other debt, including credit cards, he said. And yeah, I mean, when you, when you have massive car payments like that, and I get it at the time, like, okay, well, yeah, it's, oh, that's only that per month? Uh, you, you gotta look at the bigger picture. Gotta look at the bigger picture. Just 18% of US households had enough liquid assets to cover the cost of a new car according to Wall Street Journal and analysis of 2016 data from the Fed's triennial survey of consumer finances, a proportion that hasn't changed much in recent years. Even a conservative car loan often won't do it. The median income U.S. household with four-year loan, 20% down in a payment, under 10% of gross income, a standard budget, could afford a car worth $18,000. Excluding taxes, according to an analysis by personal finance website, bankrate.com. So, I mean, I, the whole premise here, why don't people ever just say, you know, why don't you get a car that you can just afford? Well, how are you defining afford? Something that you can buy and pay for in cash? Well, uh, it, it's amazing how people, it, it, it doesn't, it don't, well, it's not amazing, I get it. There are two things that just make it like totally normal. Well, yeah, you know, you, and part of life is you have a, a mortgage payment, pay for your home, and you have a car payment. But, but no, car or a mortgage payment, that's much different. I mean, when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, and again, not just that, because that's actually attached to an appreciating asset, but that's much different than, oh, a car payment. Well, yeah, if, you're, if, if your basis is, well, I, I need a 15, 20, $25,000 car, well, then yeah, that's a lot of money. But do you actually need that? Did you need those heated leather seats? Did you need that sophisticated multimedia display? No, you didn't need it. So just consider, remember the fact out there that there it is possible if you have a game plan to just get a car for cash. Now, it, it, it might have some rust on it. 
You might have to take it to the mechanic a little bit more often, but taking something to the mechanic a little bit more often and dropping a few hundred dollars here, there, and there within the big picture is still well, well cheaper than going and financing some sort of $18,000, $25,000, vehicle. And in some cases, even higher than that. It's crazy. The average loans, or excuse me, so, but the size of the average auto loan has grown by about a third over the past decade to $32,000 for a new car, according to Experian. To keep payments manageable, the car industry has taken to adding more months to the end of the loan. Wow, $32,000, that's, whew. The average car loan stretches for roughly 69 months, a record, so we're at record highs. Some last month, or uh, some last much longer. In the first half of the year, 1.5% of auto loans for new vehicles had terms of 85 months or longer. <laughs> 85 months, according to Experian. Five years ago, these eight and nine year loans were practically non-existent. So to think that now there's loans getting up to eight and nine years, I mean, nine years, think about that. That's one year less than an entire decade. Are you kidding me? Paying an entire decade to pay off a depreciating asset? As a result, growing share of car buyers won't pay off the debt before they trade in their cars for new ones, either because the car is in need of repairs or because they want a newer model. Good, ugh. I can't get ahead in life. Oh yeah, well, well, I mean, I had to get that newer model of the car. Really, you had to get the newer model? Really, you had to take out a six, seven, eight, nine-year loan on that car because you wanted it? I'm sorry, but I, I just don't find compassion for these people at all. That is pure greed. That's what that is. You are being greedy if you're saying, you know what, I haven't even paid off this debt yet for this previous car, but hey, look, I want that newer model. So I'm gonna go and get that newer model. That's pure greed. So don't come crying. Don't come, oh, the system's rigged against me. Oh, woe is me, I can't get ahead in life. Oh, woe is me, I'm not making enough money. No, it's greed that is holding you down. Let me reiterate that. If you don't even have one carbon paid off and you now you're going and looking to get and wanting a newer model just because, well, it's a newer model and that's pretty cool, you are greedy and it is nobody's fault but yours. It is your fault that you are struggling in life. It is your fault that you can't quite get ahead. It is your fault that you just, why, where's all my money going? Look in the mirror, look in the mirror. A third of new car buyers who trade in their cars roll debt from old vehicles into their new loans. According to car shopping site Edmonds, this is up from a quarter before the financial crisis. So let me explain that real quick. When you roll your debt, that's just saying, because I haven't paid off this debt, I am going to put that debt into this new debt because I, I like that newer model. So in other words, your debt is just getting bigger and bigger. And what is this bigger and bigger debt attached to? And this is the reason why I wanna start off the entire episode with your, your literally, people are getting bigger and bigger debts attached to a depreciating asset. And then they wonder why they can't get ahead. And like I said, maybe I'm just not a compassionate person. I don't feel sorry for you, I'm sorry. Why? What makes you think that you can get ahead by getting more and more debt, by rolling debt into more debt on something that's going down in value. I that just think things through. Well, I wanted the newer car. Well, you know what? 
then don't be complaining. Now, if these people are out there not complaining, if they're not going through life saying, you know, the why is it, why am I getting paid more? You know what? No, how about why aren't you being smarter with the money that you actually have? Americans have been borrowing to buy their cars for decades, but auto debt has swelled since the financial crisis. U.S. consumers held a record 1.3 trillion of debt tied to their cars at the end of June, according to the Federal Reserve, up about up from about 740 billion a decade earlier. Wow. As the global financial systems flirted with disaster more than 10 years ago, two of the big three U.S. automakers received government bailouts and restructured their debt in, a, in bankruptcy. The industry emerged in a battered economy when consumers hardly had the cash to go car shopping. Yet for the auto industry, there was a silver lining. Interest rates had fallen to practically zero. Suddenly, it was much cheaper to finance a car. Loans made to buyers were snapped up by Wall Street investors looking for returns as income from super safe treasuries drifted to zero. So all this goes on and the article keeps on you know, progressing here. But the idea is this. And like I said, the title of the article, if you're curious and want to read the rest, is the seven-year auto loan America's middle class can't afford their cars. And again, on the Wall Street Journal. But the, the, the big picture idea is this is think about what you're attaching debt to. Debt being attached to depreciating assets is the exact opposite that you wanna do. But even worse, and the scary part here, is that taking on a debt and not paying off that debt and then saying, well, you know what, I still haven't paid off that, but now I want that new vehicle because it's cooler. So I'm gonna go ahead and take that previous debt and then rolled into, or in other words, just add it to a new debt. So old debt added to a new debt. We've all done addition, right? One plus one equals what? Two. It gets bigger. So if you are causing debts to get bigger and bigger on things attached to depreciating assets, that's not wise. Stop it now. Because you're never going to get ahead in life. You, you Mathematically, you can't get ahead. Because, well, yeah, yeah you can. I mean, yeah, sure you can if you go out there and make a whole lot more money and then you just pay for everything in cash. That's true. But if under the premise of everything is, well, just, you know, incomes haven't been rising. Well, then incomes haven't been rising. Why are people, why, what, what are people thinking? And I know what they're thinking. They, you know, as the saying goes, they want to keep up with the Joneses. They see something cool. There's awesome commercials on TV. Wow, look at that sophisticated, you know, digital display. Look at those heated leather seats. I want that. And you know what? I want it so bad, <clears throat> cough, cough, greed, that I'm willing to not even pay off the previous debt. I'm just going to add that old or old debt to the new debt. And my car, I mean, things are just going to go up that much more. Or it doesn't look like it's going to go up as more because now I'm taking on an eight-year car loan. So my monthly payment is still where it was, but now I'm just literally rigging the system more and more against me because now instead of a, a, you know, a three-year loan or a four-year loan, it's up at eight years. And paying eight years, and I can't believe some of these are at nine years. I mean, heck, let's even call it five years. Five years to pay and put money in somebody else's pocket for something that is dropping in value. Pretty crazy stuff, but when you see this, I mean, the the economy, the the auto business, or the, you know, the the it, it's scary. It's not nearly as strong as it is when you have to just keep making debts cheaper and cheaper for people, that just shows that these that people are living paycheck to paycheck. They, they don't have any savings. They have no ability to go and actually buy a car in cash. 
I mean, there are there are plenty of great cars out there for $5,000 or cheaper. And I'm not saying $5,000 is a small amount of money or is a big amount. I'm not saying it's you know some sort of like easy number, but it's also very manageable. I mean, if you have a game plan and you get out there and hustle and grind, it is very realistic that you can save up $5,000. And I mean, think about that. What, I mean, what could you do if, if you're listening to this, ask yourself, you know, what, what would it do for you if you didn't have that car payment? I mean, think about that. That Whatever your car payment is, and if you didn't have that, that's all of a sudden that amount in your pocket every month. A penny saved is a penny earned. So think about that. I mean, if you didn't have your car payment, assuming you have one, I mean, what would that do for your finances? Would it actually, oh wow, that would be nice if I had an extra $300 in my pocket every single month. Think about that. An extra $300 in your pocket for doing nothing other than not having a car payment. Sure, you're not gonna have heated seats. Sure, you're not gonna have some multimedia display that's all sophisticated. But you know what? You're gonna have $300 more in your pocket every single month. And that can go a long way because then all of a sudden you can start to snowball that. And now all of a sudden, hey, you know what? I can afford a $10,000 car for cash. And then you go on more and more and more. Hey, you know what? If I want to, I can actually afford a $15,000 car in all cash and you can, it's actually a reverse snowball in the positive direction. Whereas as we learned about here, people are literally taking on more and more and more and more debt. Because you know what, hey, I want that newer model. So interesting stuff here. And something that I would like to think is kind of common sense. But as the data shows, it's not common sense for some people. Or it is common sense, they just don't want to think about it. Or they're not thinking about it because of that greed and they want and they want, and they want, or they think they need. And I assure you, you don't need, and I am uh, I know plenty of people in my personal life that are driving used cars, that have all kinds of rust on them, and sure, they have to take them to the shop every now and then, but you know what? They don't have a car payment, and they are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're doing, I, they're, they're doing just fine. It's not like they're having a walk, or, you know, hitchhike, or anything like that, and, I mean, there's a, where, there, where there is a will, there is a way. But crazy stuff out there, and I'm glad uh, Mark, my brother-in-law, sent me this because it was uh, not 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 an eye opener, but it just kind of makes you shake your head and say, you know, people, I, I really struggle, really struggle to 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 find compassion for some of these people out there when you read the stuff that uh, you know some people are choosing to do. So it is what it is. But yeah, if you're looking to build wealth take control of your finances, then don't do any of the stuff here that we just talked about in this article. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there, and I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the slab money method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, 
moneywithclay.com, and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works. It truly does, and I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one-year money-back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.